it's Sean. And it's Brie. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11. In this episode, we're going to talk about Skeleton Park in Kingston, Ontario, Peterborough Liftlock in Peterborough, Ontario, and 1234 De La Montagne Street in Montreal, Quebec. Sounds good. Yeah, so we've got some good stuff lined up for that. And in our paramedia segment, we are going to talk about the movie, or I guess the series of movies, mm, uh, yeah. the Amneville Horror. Mm-hmm. Books, which I'm, TV shows. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, lots of stuff has really been based around it and lots of movies have been made about it mm-hmm. and lots of offshoot movies like i mean now a lot of those movies that are being made are very 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 loosely based off of the actual events that took place yeah um yeah but in in that sense uh you know i think the only thing that makes it based on it is that the house was haunted yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's it that's the the only thing they have in common i like how you put that the house was haunted (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about that movie. We're going to talk about the history behind uh, that movie as well. So I'm looking forward to that because it is one of my favorites. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. Awesome. I think I've seen it so many times and it still freaks me out. Just like The Exorcist. Yes. Every time. I can't watch it alone. Nah. Yeah. I think that was the (laughs) first movie we ever talked about in our paramedia segment. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. So so how's everything going? How's life treating you? Um, I know we're recording at home again, mm-hmm. um, you know, just because and, you know, li- um, li- life is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Now the Delta variant's out. So well, here we go. Yeah. Another curveball. But you know what? We'll, I'm sure we'll be... Um, successful in kind of beating that down too let's hope and mm-hmm. you know again i think we're always hopeful to get back to a, a normal way of life and i mean it's almost like we're we're it's almost like we're so close it's like we're I right know. on that edge and, <laughs> and you know then something happens but anyways we're resilient yeah. we'll figure it out and and i think we'll get back to 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 regular life yeah yeah mm-hmm yeah, so summer's been pretty crazy. Um, you know, still not really going too many places and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we are trying to get out and enjoy the weather and all that kind of stuff too. So, mm-hmm. and, and visit some family and, and stuff, which we haven't been doing for a long time. So, I know. yeah, so it's nice to, to be able to do that and to kind of connect again with some people. It was quite refreshing to do that. I enjoyed the uh, sunshine. Yes. The it sunshine. was nice to bask in the sun. It's been so long hiding in the winter. Keeping busy. Yeah. Working yeah. on my other podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. So, and, and also working on other things for this show and upcoming, which, mm-hmm. you know, keeping yes. that under wraps, but, you know, equally exciting. Yes. So, something to look forward to. Well, I'll be sharing with you very soon. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get right into it. We are going to start talking about Skeleton Park uh, in Kingston, Ontario, which is kind of a nickname for, for this park 
in a sense, um, because right now, uh, from what we understand, it's called McBurney Park, which we'll get into a little bit later, but Skeleton Park is the nickname of it. Um, it was established in 1816. It was known by many names, first as the Garrison Burial Ground, the Upper Burial Ground, the Frontenac Park, and finally, as I mentioned earlier, McBurney Park. And then it was that name was changed to its final name in the late 1960s. And it was named after a school principal, James A. McBurney. And roughly at the time that it was an active uh, a cemetery, there was 10,000 bodies that were buried there. And in 1864, um, there was no more burials after that time. And really until 1893, that cemetery just was neglected. Um, tombstones were broken and damaged um it just like i mean some of the photos that you see online um are just terrible like i mean i would never want to see my loved ones being in a cemetery that was that degraded um uh, yeah it just looked it looked like a junkyard really It it was owned by three churches so it was owned by the roman catholics it was owned by the anglicans and the presbyterians Now, the Roman Catholics stipulated that all the remains in their section were to be resumed and reburied into another cemetery. The Anglicans and the Presbyterians only stipulated that exhumation and reburial would be undertaken if the families requested it and could afford it. So by that point, a local contractor was hired to dig up the remains of the people that were to be moved, and 540 bodies were exhumed. And then there were fears of releasing disease and contagions. People die from certain diseases and stuff, and you can release it, right? Mm -hmm. And so... We talked about another location that also had that. that Remember the nuns? The nuns, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they were worried about, like, releasing some kind of contagion or pathogens or what have you that could make people sick. So they they basically stopped. And, and because of the deterioration as well, some of the graves were waterlogged. Um, they also found that there was more people buried in grave sites than there should have been. Oh, my God. So there was a lot of that going on, too. Mm-hmm. Um the contractor dug up 540 bodies and then that all stopped. So, and then the rest just got plowed over top of, so they're still there in the park to this day. That's Actually the park opened in 1893 and there's still over 9,000 bodies that are still buried in that park. Oh yeah. No wonder it's haunted. Yeah. No wonder. Right. So it just doesn't seem right. But like, I mean, what's done is done. And obviously, you know, what have you. And it was, it was such an eyesore that people just wanted something done with it, I'm sure. Well, I guess it would have been up to the city, right? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, the city did take it over after, because after it was in neglect, the the churches were just like, basically, here you go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the city turned it into a park and then, uh, you know. So that'd be the history. And uh, then I'm going to pass it over to you because there was, there was some interesting stuff that, that kind of happens there in Skeleton Park, even at nighttime. So. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. I'm very interested in going, but maybe during the day. <laughs> I'd like to feel the energy. I, I would like to go for sure. But I think I would have to go at nighttime because of of some of the visuals that you would probably see. And so, so I think that's a perfect lead in to talk about the ghosts of Skeleton Park. Sounds Free? good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as you already know, it is obviously clear why this place is haunted with all those bodies still remaining underneath. Yeah. So considering his past and the fact that it was a cemetery back in the day, people have seen apparitions of ghostly figures like clowns. So that's one of the reasons why I don't want to go there in the evening. <laughs> okay. Not now th now that you've said that, man. I'm kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> I think I'd still go though. During the day. Yeah. I don't care if I see it during the day. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Uh, You're usually the braver one. I'm usually <laughs> the one going, yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. He's like, I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> don't make me go. <laughs> yeah. We're flipping for this episode for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People feel that they are being watched and followed. And they also get this feeling that that they didn't belong there or they weren't wanted there. Hmm. I can see that because it's mm -hmm. like their resting place, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, And you're walking over them as opposed yeah. to respecting the grave that would have been there, right? I hate yeah. that. Even when I go to the cemetery, it's, it's I try and not walk over other people to get to where I'm going. I'm right with you. And I really mm -hmm. don't know where to walk to be proper. I know. You know, it's and it's just like, because you never know how they're buried in there. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay. I guess always your head goes to the top, like near the tombstone, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I've, ne yeah. I've never been buried, so. <laughs> People hear disembodied voices and screaming. People crying have been reported as well. There's also the people that live in the surrounding area. They have also reported paranormal activity as well. So it's not just the people that actually go to the park and walk around or whatever. Now, I was looking at the pictures online and from the past and what it looks like now. It, it looks gorgeous. It looks beautiful. So I understand why people would want to go there. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. definitely, they've turned it into a beautiful space. And mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, with, but uh, I think it's more like the history of it that really kind of brings it down a little couple of notches. But yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, you don't really see that happening a lot. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, ever. Ever, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. So definitely um, an interesting history and, you know, kind of a spooky feeling too. Because as you were saying, you know, people, when they go there, they don't feel welcome. Lights are seen going off and on, on their own. I guess in that one building in the back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess in the same place, the doors are said to open and close on their own as well. Hmm. Wow. And lots of uh, reports of seeing apparitions around there. Some people have said they've seen children running around during the day, and they just continue to do the things that they were doing in life when they were alive at that time. Wow. And, yeah. And, and they can't see or hear anybody that's around that's not dead as well. 
And apparently they don't have any identities of who these children are or how they died. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Huh. They're not really identifiable. They're just kind of like kids, almost like playing around in a playground in a sense. Hmm. There's got to be something about that. Yeah. Something more to it. Or maybe they were just drawn in there. that cemetery. Okay. Yeah. Also, if you visit the park during the evening, if it's a full moon, apparently you will be able to see the cemetery and tombstones and the park will vanish. That's awesome. And apparently you will be able to see some spirits, some of which are full of cuts and wounds all over their body. Wow. Mm -hmm. Also, some ghosts are known to be aggressive and have physically hurt visitors and tourists. Huh. Wow. Huh. I want to go there for sure now. See? I don't want to get hurt, but if they touch me, <laughs> no. then I think I might believe a little bit more. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to see something. You're like, is that a trick of my eyes or a trick of my mind? Because your mind will play tricks on you, right? But of course. if you feel something touch you and nothing is there, how can yeah. you trick your mind to do that? Well, how yeah. can your mind trick you into believing that? Especially if it's something that's happening like multiple times while you're there or you're, uh -huh. you know, because... I mean, you as a person know the difference. Yeah. Between exactly. somebody grabbing your arm and somebody just kind of brushing up against it. Like, I mean, you know the difference. So, yeah. yeah. So, I've really never had that experience. I've me had a visual experience, but never like something touching me or anything like that, which I'm perfectly okay with. So, was there anything more for Skeleton Park, aka McBurney Park? No, I didn't see anything. All right. Well, that was pretty cool. That mm -hmm. was really cool to hear. And we are going to go right into our next uh, topic, our next file, which is Peterborough Liftlock in Peterborough, Ontario. Um, the history of this one is not super long, and it doesn't have a huge long history, but it's definitely an interesting one regardless of, of the length of information. Um, it was established between 1896 and 1904. And in 2021, it will be 117 years old. Huh. Yeah, it was a very large construction project at the time, and it was to connect or canal the Ontonabee River to the Trent Severn Waterway. The lift lock has a height of 65 feet, and the lifts are the highest hydraulic lifts in the world. Oh, wow. And it acts as kind of like an elevator for your boat. So your boat kind of pulls up and they just kind of sat there and this little gate comes up so that they can't go anywhere. And it like this, it's like an elevator. So one side drops and the other side lifts hmm. and then it just drops back down. So it's kind of like a, like a, I guess you would say like a pulley system, if you will, like one side's up, one side's down. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was really cool to see that. Um, and check that out. yeah, yeah, it's, um, I believe it's on Peter Earl's website. You can see that video there. I'll probably try and put a, put that link, um, to it on our Facebook so that everybody can see it and kind of mm -hmm. see how it works. Cause I know when I try to explain things, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but Another thing that I found kind of interesting, too, was that the original steel is still used today. So they haven't had to really replace anything um, on it because of the high quality of the built. It is owned and operated by Parks Canada. And in 1979, actually May 25th of 1979, it was designated a National Historic Site. 
pretty cool and it yeah. is really well decorated i mean it's beautifully set and um they've done a great job at maintaining the area and it's a very busy uh busy place so mm-hmm. definitely if you're in the area i would say definitely check it out That's... i think i've driven by it for sure yeah because uh, i've been probably. to Peterborough so many times now and i know like there's there is a way that my friend renee takes me and um i'm sure we've gone through there at least once or twice and i know that i've gone through there um another time before but it was a while ago and i didn't realize what it was at the time yeah yeah so i'm I'm sure if you've ever been in the area you've seen it at one point or another um a structure that cannot be missed <laughs> but you know as as that being said it does have a ghost history a ghostly history i should say and brie's gonna tell us about it brie all right so there's also a worker who is a lock operator. His name's John Stanley. He talks quite frankly about the ghostly presence there. And he also does state that the lock is haunted. He says that uh, there's an ex-employee there. His name is, I guess, Billy, and he died during the construction of it. Okay. Um, there's also a man during the original construction. Uh, he lost his balance and toppled into the lock's uh, central pillar where... Unfortunately, he fell to his death. Uh, apparently, they couldn't get his body out, so they had to continue to cover it with cement, encasing his body in there. Ew, that's terrible. Yeah, that's awful. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, that's really awful. I, I wish I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, later in construction, they were painting the boat bays, and the scaffolding tipped over, and three workers went down, killing one almost in the same place where the earlier worker had died. Wow. That's crazy, eh? Yeah. There was also a group of men who were repairing the machinery beneath the lock, and they heard heavy footsteps coming down the concrete steps, but when they went over there, there was nobody there. Uh, one of the workers stepped uh, around to see and just saw wet boot marks at, that ended at the concrete wall. That was about it. Wow. I always thought that would be really creepy to kind of like see footsteps that just stop, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because there's like, I mean, where did that person go? You know, know. Are I mean? they facing you? <laughs> yeah. Like obviously they're, they've evaporated into thin air. So mm-hmm. I think that would be a definite sign for me that there is definitely something there. going yeah, on. For yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, there was another time there was a canal worker that died. Um, other workers continued to find his boots in the lock uh, elevator with no idea how they got there again and again after being removed. Wow, eh? That's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's almost like it's kind of sad in a sense. Yeah. You know, because it's like, I That's guess it so wants to be there or or maybe he doesn't want to be there. You know what I mean? It's you never You never can tell. None of the spirits have any sinister motives, though. It has been said that they just like to play little pranks to the, let people know that they're there. Yeah, I could see that, you know, which is good. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you never, you know, especially due to the fact of what type of machinery it is, mm-hmm. you you definitely don't want something that's malevolent or evil there because then God, dangerous. it could interfere with that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. or poltergeist for that sense. So it's good that there is a friendly atmosphere to it and, and what have you. And, you know, and mm-hmm. like, I mean, not to the circumstances of, of how they got there, but basically to how they are to people that have seen them or heard them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Anything more for the Peterborough lift locks? Um, no, uh, but I know I remember seeing it. It's, it's very pretty, like the water and everything when you drive by. Yeah, yeah. I was saying that earlier. Like they've done a really good job with with all the surrounding areas and making it look very, very nice and beautiful in the summertime and and what have you. I've never seen it in the winter, so I don't know what it looks like then. But I know in the summer it's pretty good. Well, that's all I have for the Peterborough lift locks. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. It was really interesting and it was it was really cool to hear because I'd never heard any of that history before and you know, it's not that far away. So mm-hmm. definitely something on the list. So we're going to move right in and talk about 1234 De La Montagne Street in Montreal, Quebec. It was originally built as a family home in 1859, and it would remain a family home until the early 1900s. In 1902, it was purchased and turned into a funeral home until 1970. It basically stayed empty for for eight years, and in 1978, it was repurposed as a posh three-floor nightclub when some of the guests include Boy George, Mick Jagger over the years, and I'm sure many more in the VIP lounges that were very sought after. The names of the club has changed many times over the year, from Club Esprit, Club 1234, World Beat Complex, and now Club Le Sink. So if you're ever in Montreal, definitely check out that location uh, because Brie is going to tell us about the ghosts that are there at the club. I sure am. Awesome. So all three floors have their own kind of reputation. They're all known to be haunted and have some paranormal activity. Uh, In the basement where the ladies' bathroom used to be located. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, This is also where the mortuary was located. No, thank you. (laughs) Well, as soon as you said in the basement, I knew it was going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's true. I've been to so many funerals and the friggin' bathroom is in the basement. It totally sucks. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, kind of to get off on a tangent here, which we normally do on the show, is (laughs) my dad used to work um, in an office building down on the Danforth. um, And it was originally um, a funeral home. Mm. So I remember, and then they turned it into like office buildings, obviously. Oh my God. But yeah, so, but. I mean, if you didn't tell me, I probably wouldn't have known, but right. and wouldn't even have cared. But after I was told that, it was like <laughs> creepy, and yeah. and it was like at that time we would go there in the evening, and and it's an office building, so nobody would be there. And of oh course, God. me with my Walkman, like friggin' whatever, listening <laughs> to music and stuff while my my dad's doing work and what have you. And it's just creepy. And then my we would have to go certain places in the building, like the bathroom was outside and what have you. And it was just, oh I just remember it being not outside, but it was outside of the office and stuff. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, yeah. it was just like, this place is kind of creepy. But it, like, I've never, I didn't see anything. I, I just, it just felt creepy to me as a kid. 
Yeah. Um, but no, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. Nothing like that. It was just just the feeling that I got being there after I found out that it was a funeral home. So that's why I say, if you never told me, I probably wouldn't have, you know, known any different. Sorry for that long ramble. That's okay. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, so uh, the basement, right. So people have also encountered like a ghostly woman with a scar down the front of her chest. Oh, wow. With all the encounters, women have been warned not to enter the bathroom anymore alone. <laughs> I wouldn't even use it to begin with. I'll just pass uh, on Yeah. That. But like, I mean, when you're at a club, are you ever in the bathroom alone? No, but you're at least you're upstairs. Like, usually the bathroom at a club's on the same floor. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't think I've, even a bar, even at stairways, they had, like, a, a bathroom on each floor, and there was three floors there. Yeah. Well, I'm just, like, I mean, even, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of basements. Me neither. So, Their witch taught me that. <laughs> Not even that. Like, I mean, I just, I don't feel comfortable. Like, if, a, if I go to a, a restaurant and there's a washroom in the basement, oh, I'm know. just, I'm usually like, somebody's got to come with me. <laughs> 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 who's coming with me? Yeah, who's coming with me? I gotta pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah. Sorry for that other tangent there. <laughs> My fascinating um, life about the basements. Yeah. yeah. Um, also on the ground floor where the bar is and the dance floor is, um, uh, there's a large ball of light that floated through the air towards some workers who were doing renovations. When they complained to the owner, all concerns were dismissed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The disco ball got jealous. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um, then the same night, the owner stopped by to check on things and noticed a beautiful woman sitting by the bar, and she was turned away from him. As the bar was not open, he was curious why she was there. So then he asked if he could help her, and when she turned around, she had no face. It looked like she had been it had been surgically removed. It was so unsettling that uh, he ran out without completing any work or renovations. Yeah, I would have too. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, peace out. And I, I probably wouldn't even, I probably just would have passed out right there on the floor. <laughs> and then I'd wake up and realize what happened and it'd pass out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Um, what else? What else? What else? Also, on the ground level, there's a table near the coat check and it's flung itself across the room on its own with nobody around. Uh, the area is mentioned to be uh, where, I guess, they did the cosmetic touch-ups on the bodies before they went on display. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, upstairs in the attic has been reported as haunted as well. People have reported from the street seeing a creepy woman sitting at, sitting at the dusty window. They say this is the reason why the window has been boarded up. So that could be that same woman that he saw sitting at the bar that has no face. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Um, the attic is off limits, but people will tend to go up uh, up there by mistake or on a dare. <laughs> on a dare, wow. Who goes up to an attic by mistake? I know. I'm Three like, um, can I stay as far away from that as possible? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go up there by mistake. We all know what happens in the attic. Yeah, and, and in the basement, flowers. as we talked about. <laughs> yeah, it's not flowers. 
<laughs> yeah, it's on the same level as what's in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're safe. You're safe in the middle ground. You're grounded on the ground level. Right. You know. <clears throat> so now, but not if zombies show up. <laughs> you've been warned. We told you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Three staff members went on a dare, and when they saw someone floating by the wall, they ran the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's funny i would um, expect nothing less so i guess it was the bodyguard that went upstairs by mistake and he said that he felt an invisible presence sitting nearby and he reported that he felt i guess he was shaken and every hair on his body stood up and he immediately uh he laughed immediately and said he could not take the shaking feeling he couldn't get rid of it all week and then one night in 2005, a drunken lady ignored warning and went up to the attic. A few minutes later, people heard loud screams and yelling, and there was really loud screams of terror. The lady ended up going through the window and jumping from the balcony where the bouncers were able to catch her. Wow. Uh, they were not able to calm her down, though, but at the end of uh, it all, she ended up leaving in an ambulance. That's insane. Wow. We need to go there. Yeah. I don't want to leave out a window, though. Okay. No. I'm just putting that right there. That's so not if I start, That's not if I have too much to drink and I end up walking up the stairs, you better come drag my ass back down. <laughs> yeah. Where is this? The attic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I won't let you go to the attic because I ain't <laughs> going up there to get you. <laughs> um, one witness that was there said she was screaming so loud and hysterics that no one knew what was wrong, but it was terrifying. Like her scream was so terrifying. She must have been, she must have seen something that frightened her, but to this day, nobody knows who or what it was. Wow. Eh? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Hmm. I wonder how that woman is now. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Um, when it reopened with new owners, an employee had an experience with a floating orb, so the owner tried many ways to get rid of the spirits and ghosts. I wonder if it worked. I don't know. And that's it. That's all. That's all I got for you. Wow, that was good. That was a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that's going on at this place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of activity there. A lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff going on. It would be kind of interesting to see where it all came from like could it be the land that it was built on mm -hmm. you know because it was a family home for such a long time that it's really odd that all these negative things are happening there on a regular basis so that's all we got for 1234 de la montagne street in montreal quebec now we're going to move into our paramedia segment. We are going to talk about the Amityville Horror, which is based on the murders that happened in the house in the 70s. I'm going to flip it over to Bree to, to share some information about the Amityville murders. So the Amityville Horror story was published in September of 77, and it was uh, based on true events. Uh, it's about yes. Ronald DeFeo Jr. Is that how they say it? DeFeo? Yes, you are correct. Mm -hmm. He shot and killed six family members um, at their address on uh, 112 Ocean Avenue. Um, it was like, if you see the picture of the house, it looks like a face. 
Have like you e- noticed like even that? The, even the actual house? The house itself, yes. Okay. Look it up. And yeah, yeah. It actually looks like a face. And when they, like, when you watch the movie and you see certain scenes and whatever, it almost, you it you can feel how sinister it is. Yeah, yeah. Because I can see that it almost looks like it has two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. And apparently, as the story goes, I don't want to give too much of it away, but they moved into the house. There was obviously a very dark entity there. And it was able to manipulate their oldest son. I guess he was the oldest. Right. And convince him that this was a great idea. Like the right thing to do. That he needed to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the movie's creepy as hell, though. Like it. Well, back then it was. This is like back in the seventies. It came out. What did I say? Nineteen seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. The movie. Yes. Yeah. The movie, the movie came out in seventy-nine. Yeah. Um, and well, I guess it helps with having that creepy music too. But could you imagine like that stuff happening with the walls and you know the the flies, the swarms, like? No. No. Noises. I think that, that would voice. just be like so amazingly scary. Yeah. You know? Um, intense. Like, it's yeah. kind of scary. Yeah. I think that's a good word for it. Very intense because there were so many things um, that happened there that really kind of intensified the situation in the movie. It's hard to imagine, you know, somebody doing that. Yeah. Because, like, his, his sister was five his uh brother one brother was seven his other brother was nine like they were all little and they all make it seem like he was very empathetic to to killing them when when he was doing it like he apologized to them and if if they woke up you know Mm. i think they captured that in one of the movies as well which is kind of upsetting because it's almost like he was having a mental struggle between right and wrong but this kind of overtook that or maybe kind of even the scale, you know, reality versus what was going on in his mind. A delusion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think at that time too, it was like you know, break not breaking grounds, but it was like mental instabilities were yeah. were not as Being well diagnosed at that yeah. point, and and you know, I mean, Actually. I know this is another movie, Girl Interrupted. You see that. Oh yeah, I love you know, that movie. Yeah, where Angelina. Yeah, and and you see how um, mental health was depicted in the in in that time. Um, I was just checking out the pictures of the house here too. It's uh, it totally looks like a face. Looks like a face, like a jack o' lantern. Yeah, what it, it does. Looks like. Yeah, it does. Huh. Mm-hmm. I did like the actors in the movie too. Like, uh, what was Margot it, John? Peter. What was his name? Margot John Kidder Brown. and John, James John Brolin. Brown. James Brolin? James, yeah. Yep, James Brolin, oh, Margot Josh Kidder. Oh, Josh is the son. Josh Josh Brolin. is the son, yeah. Right. I always mix that up. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, so the Amityville story is actually a series of books and, and movies, which Sean is going to talk about. So there's also the Amityville Horror Part 2, which came out in 1982. Um, Amityville, the final chapter in 1985. 
uh, Amityville, The Evil Escapes in 1988. They're all very close together, which is good because I find that horror movies are very different now. They're not the same as they were back in the 70s. I find that they were much scarier in the 70s. 80s, yeah. they got a bit, che- bit cheesy in the 80s, but it still made you jump. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now I find that they try and, and combine horror and gore, and it ruins it. Yeah. I'm not scared when I see all that blood flying all over the place. You know what I mean? But yeah. when it's silent and then all of a sudden something comes out of nowhere, that's the best. Yes. That is the best when it's completely quiet and you don't expect it. Yeah. And they, and they don't do that anymore in Hollywood. No, no. it's just for more for effect. And yeah. I think when you're doing it, I and, and I think we've talked about this um, a couple of times, is when you're doing it on a computer and you're doing it like CGI, it's not the same. It's not the same as an effects person going in there and, and doing it like making a cast of somebody's body and basically have their head there and then just have the guts sprouting out of their chest. Like it's very, I mean, when somebody does it like that, it's like a whole process, like an evolution of the, 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 not the stunt, but the, the effect. effect. I get it though. And don't get me wrong. I love gore movies. I love horror gore movies. I love any horror even yeah. those cheesy B-rated whores. Me too. But, but I just, I like to be scared more than I like to be grossed out. You know what I mean? Right, right. Anyway. And um, I think there needs to be a good combination of yeah. man-made effects as opposed, mm-hmm. uh, as with conjunction, so to speak, uh, with CGI to make it work. Yeah, like um, like uh, what's um, uh, The Evil Dead. The original and the the remake, I love them both. Yeah, yeah, I really do, and I love that he's in them. Yes, <laughs> Bill Campbell, I yeah. absolutely love him. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway, so back to Amityville Horror. So there is another one. It's the Amityville Horror, uh, the Horror Returns in 1989, and then in 1991, the Amityville The Nightmare Continues by Robin Carl was published. Um, I guess other people have also written stories, so it's not just the guy who wrote the original, the John G. Jones versions. Um, there's Hans Hans Holzer. He wrote three books relating to the story. Um, and then there was a prequel called Amityville 2, The Possession, and that was 1990 film. The Amityville Curse was based on the book with the same name. Okay. Yeah. So they've still, I think, last book was published here was 2008. So they're still writing about it. Wow. Well, as, as late as uh, 2008. They should totally do something similar now. And I'm going to hand it over to Sean. And he's going to talk about the movies of Amityville Horror. Yeah. So they're was quite a number of movies that were associated with the Amityville Horror. Um, Basically, the first one was based on the story, and the rest are just kind of based on the house itself. Um, So essentially, the first movie came out uh, July 27th, 1979, and it was titled The Amityville Horror. The second movie came out September 24th, 1982, and it's Amityville 2, The Possession. 
And then the third theatrical release was Amityville 3D, which came out in November 18th, 1983, which took effect, uh, which took advantage of the 3D aspect uh, of film. So that uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, and then there was a lot of like, there was a couple of uh, TV films, there was a direct-to-video, and then most recent version of the first movie with Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George came out and that was April 14, 2005, uh, which was the next uh, theatrical release that had to do anything with the Amityville horror. Um, and then really after that, all the other movies, uh, so forth and so forth were, um, direct to video. So there were, Again, quite a number of movies out there um, on many platforms that you can watch today as well. So that's pretty much all that we have for the Amityville Horror. Um, Bree, do you have anything more to add for that? Other than definitely check it out if you haven't seen it already. Definitely if you like old school horror. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one for the books to definitely check it out. Uh, why don't I say definitely a couple more times? Uh- <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's kind of like that girl in Halloween, the first one with Jamie Lee Curtis. She's like, you totally bailed. <laughs> you know, I think she says totally like a thousand times. And I'm just like, oh, I want to strangle that girl. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I was going to say definitely if you're looking for a good movie to watch, something a little spooky, the 1979 film is really good. But the 2005 film with Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George is really good as well. So I would say definitely if you're going to check out any of the movies, definitely check out those mm-hmm. two. Um, those are both well done. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Ryan Reynolds, so of course I'll I'll promote anything he watches. Deadpool fan, one hundred percent. Well, there you go. See, there's <laughs> a reason to watch the movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to a close of another episode. Um, again, thank you for joining us for this episode as well. Always nice to have everybody along and download the show and uh, listen to our banter and <laughs> and the topics that we have. Always nice. But I'm going to leave it up to Bree, as always, to let us know how you can get in touch with us. If you want to reach out and let us know of an experience that you've had with the paranormal as well. So, Bree. All right. So you can reach us on Facebook at Paranormal Files Canada. On Instagram, Canada Paranormal Files. On Twitter, or you can reach us at ParanormalFilesCanada at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at PFC Sean underscore Bree. Yeah, so definitely reach out to us. And uh, as I said earlier, let us know about any experiences that you have with the paranormal. We would love to hear from Uh, love to hear your stories and we would also love to hear from you so definitely definitely join us again next month for the next episode of paranormal files canada which will be in september so um take care of each other take care of yourself and stay spooky